0: The same risk factors there are for heart disease are the same risk factors for stroke. And those eight things I mentioned, if you take care of one thing, you're going to take care of the other thing. The one thing I always say about prevention of heart disease, the heart is the center of everything. If you take care of the heart, you take care of the arteries of the heart, you're taking care of the arteries of the neck, you're taking care of the arteries of the brain, the eye, the kidneys, the liver, your legs, you are literally taking care of yourself from head to toe. There is nothing more powerful than arterial health. There is nothing more potent than exercise truly to keep those arteries healthy. And so I I keep saying heart care is the new self-care
1: Hey friends, welcome to The Good Life with Michelle Lamoureux, a show for women in midlife who want to live happier, healthier, and more meaningful lives. I'm your host, Michelle Lamoureux, a self-love coach and the author of Design a Life You Love, and together we're going to be doing just that. Each week, I bring on world-class experts, best-selling authors, leading entrepreneurs, and also do solo casts with the intention of inviting you to get connected to what you really desire from your life. This show is produced with love every week. There's inspiration and actionable tips in every episode because I want to see women playing a starring role in their lives instead of living on the sidelines. Be sure to join the Good Life Community Newsletter over at thegoodlifecoach.com for more inspiration and tips to live your best midlife. And make sure you're following the show on your favorite podcast player. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey friends, it's Michelle Lemereau and welcome back. Joining us today is leading preventative cardiologist, Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum, who is back on the podcast to talk to us about heart health, especially as it relates to women and women in midlife. Dr. Steinbaum is the founder and CEO of Adesso, which is a tech platform, which helps to decrease the risk of women's cardiovascular disease and bring prevention to every woman regardless of location or circumstance through its signature program. And you're gonna be learning more about that and all things heart health. Dr. Suzanne launched her heart disease prevention programs at Mount Sinai Heart. Northwell Lenox Hill, and Beth Israel. She's the author of Every Woman's Guide to a Heart Healthy Life and has been a national spokesperson for Go Red through the American Heart Association for 18 years. She serves on the National Medical Advisory Board for Peloton and is a frequent guest on notable shows such as the Today Show, Good Morning America, and many more. And ladies, heart disease is the number one killer of women which is why I asked Dr. Steinbaum to come back on the show. Welcome Dr. Steinbaum.
0: Thank you so much for having me back. It's my favorite topic, you know.
1: <laughs> I do know and I'm so grateful that it is because once I heard you I found you online and I was like, "Wait a second, why don't we know that heart disease is the number one killer?" And I have to have a I have a confession. Even knowing that there's there's a part of you that goes, "Oh yeah, but I won't be that statistic."
0: You know, there was a survey that of, this was done years ago. There was about a thousand women. They were asked, what is your risk of heart disease? And in this particular survey, about 98% of the women said that they knew heart disease was their number one health threat. Then they were asked, is it your problem? And only 13% of those women said, it's my problem. It's like, it's everyone else's, but I'm good. And there has been such a disconnect. Between women's heads, what they believe, and their hearts. It's like not our problem. And I think that's part of why the statistics are the way they are. It's more complicated than that. The research hasn't been done on women. Medical schools did not focus. I never learned women got heart disease when I was in school. And the women themselves not having a connection to it, that three pronged situation has really caused the problem
1: absolutely and you know I, i'm going to ask you some of the questions that we talked about last time you were on because one thing that i know for sure is that we do need to hear things multiple times on not always but in certain situations and i think this is one of them in order for it to sink in you know i think that's just a reality and so let's look at the stats again so we know it's the number one killer of women and you had said something last time that blew me away you said That includes all cancers. More than
0: all cancers combined. More than
1: all cancers combined.
0: Yeah. So when you look at that, and as women, I think we got indoctrinated years ago because of the amazing breast cancer movement. I mean, they've done an incredible job. Everyone sees a pink ribbon and knows what to do. Many women make their mammogram appointments every year, but we haven't been able to reach women in the same way when it comes to heart health. I've been a spokesperson for Go Red for Women through the American Heart Association. It's going to be 20 years. And when we think of this mission and this movement, we're doing so much better, but not enough to really change the statistics. And so when, when I look at this whole issue and look at what's going on in the news, I think one of the, the terms that came up this year was medical gaslighting. Now, what is that? 59% of women are told they're fine when actually there's a problem. And that's something that we hear about when it comes to heart disease. Women's symptoms are different than a man's. They're much more subtle. There's shortness of breath and jaw pain, back pain, nausea, vomiting, flu-like symptoms. All these very subtle symptoms could be a woman's heart issue. With men, that Hollywood heart attack, elephant sitting on the chest, they're clutching their chest, blue in the face. Um, That's not not necessarily what women look like. Hmm. And so women oftentimes go to the emergency room and they're told, you know what? You're stressed, you're depressed. It's in your head. It's not in your heart. You're fine. Go home. And in fact, I have heard this story so many times. I can't even tell you. Um, in fact, one of the doctors who has a wonderful uh, initiative, she's putting programs throughout the country for women in menopause, and her own mother went through this. Mm. And so when I, when I talk to women of all walks of life, whose daughters are physicians, who, who are from the wealthiest to the poorest, to black, white, green, it doesn't matter. This is a woman's issue. And I feel like if we don't change the narrative about how we approach this, it's about education. It's about self-advocacy. It's Mm. about empowerment. And to your point, if we don't have this conversation over and over and over again in many different ways, that 59% gaslighting statistic is going to become part of our own personal narratives. Mm. And I cannot stand it. I can't stand to hear it anymore. We have come to a point in time where we know the key to disease treatment is actually prevention. And we know 80% of the time heart disease is preventable. Now we don't have the key to everything, but we have the key to 80% of it. I'm not gonna tell you it doesn't include medication. It actually might include procedures. But you don't actually need to have a heart attack or a stroke. And you know what? When you don't have a heart attack or a stroke, you don't get sick. You live with it. You manage it. You have vitality. So that's the focus of this. When we look at the big picture, and the the American Heart Association talks about, they actually added a risk. The essential eight. Used to be seven, but now we're on eight. And that eighth one is very interesting because it's about sleep. And we know the importance of lack of sleep and that it increases the risk of heart disease. So these eight factors, blood pressure, cholesterol, sugars, increased weight, poor diet, sedentary lifestyle, smoking, and sleep. Hmm. Now, if we look at those eight things, we can control those, how we eat, how we move, Hmm. the, the nutrient density of our diet. What what crappy stuff we eat? What good stuff, the ratio of that. I mean, just thinking about it on a small level. How much we move? Do we just sit in a car all day, then sit on the computer, then sit at work? I mean, this is these are lifestyle issues that if we really contemplate, we can do something about. And that understanding of sleep, I mean, I got an aura ring because I said, I saw yours, too, yes. because I said, I don't think I'm sleeping enough. Yeah. And I know this matters. Now, I'm not going to tell you I'm great on this. I, I'll do the same thing everyone does. I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm like, where's my pad and paper? I have to write this down. But I'm paying attention to it and making it an important part of my life. So if I said to you, those eight things, you make them relevant to you. You make them important to you. 80% of the time it's preventable. That's step one. Now we got to figure out the other pieces. Now we have to figure out how to get rid of the gaslighting, how to not get misdiagnosed. We know that 50% of women are missed when put through standard and traditional risk scores. So when you go to your primary care provider, you're fine. Go home. Uh Those are the things that we have to focus on. Can we unpack that part? That's my big speech. No. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. I mean, listen, if everybody heard just the first five minutes of this podcast, they've already like so much more aware of what they can do because you just said 80% of heart disease is preventable and you gave us the eight things we could be looking out for and paying attention to and modifying. But let's talk about the gaslighting. Every single doctor, regardless of their practice, who's come on my show has talked about this. They've talked about, yes, in different ways. I could literally, I've been thinking about doing a little clip where I had the menopause doctor say during her training, she was taught to label women WWs, whiny women. Yes. And she's trying to change that. Uh, The the, the urological surgeon who came on and said, I treat men and I treat women and I see how we treat them differently and the men get treated a heck of a lot better and they're not dismissed. Mm -hmm. I mean, time and time again. And doctors who have come on the show and they've been gaslit, even as the patient.
0: Oh, I, I had that experience happen, and I actually thought it was somebody playing a joke on me because they know <laughs> how much I speak on, on the behalf of women, and I went to a primary care provider. I didn't have a doctor, and I thought, well, that's bad, so maybe I should do this, and I went to a male primary care provider. The first thing he did was tell me, I must be stressed. I must be depressed because I was a full-time working mother with a very hard job. And I was like, Oh no, that's, that's projecting my friend. I'm good. Yes. You yes. know, it was really interesting. And then are you ready for this? Cause this is the funny part. He never checked my cholesterol. <gasps> and Why? Wow. Because I was a woman in my forties and it wasn't necessary. Oh,
1: for goodness sakes.
0: That's when I was pretty sure there was like, like candid camera situation because it was unbelievable. It was everything that, you know, we talk about, but it happened to me. He knew who I was. He knew what you <laughs> did. He knew what he knew you what did. did. Oh yes. my
1: goodness. Okay. So help us navigate though. Cause let's, when we go to a doctor, We are not armed with the knowledge, the information, the blood tests we should be asking for, the other preventative tests or things that they can be monitoring for us. We don't know. And so one of two things happens. One is that we don't know, we don't ask, we don't get. Second thing that happens is, we are the curious people. You listen to my podcast. (laughs) We read books. You start going, oh, wait, I heard that I need to get this test. And you ask, and then you're also dismissed. And then I think there's a third level actually, which is the insurance piece. So I'm very fortunate that my blood work for the most part is like If it's like at a certain lab, it's covered. So I don't have that issue. And I know a lot of people don't have that. So I know I'm fortunate in that regard. But I think sometimes they're like, well, wait, what's the reason I'm going to put? And so there's some billing issues. It gets weird. So help us understand how we can navigate and not be gaslit, or if we are, get the care we deserve.
0: I know we're going to talk about it, but I want to mention it right now. I've been in the hospital system for 20 years running women in heart health programs. We call them women in heart disease programs in the beginning, but at some point that didn't seem to make sense anymore. And in doing that, I came across this often Mm -hmm. that there were testing that we knew was important. One of those tests, and I'll just give you an example, it's called lipoprotein little a, LP little a. So we were researching that and, and aware of it 25 years ago okay. when I was in my preventive cardiology fellowship. This was a, this was when we really understood this as a risk factor. Um, about two years ago, the American Heart Association had a scientific paper come out, LP Little A as a novel risk factor. And you know, this is this is not anyone's fault. It's just the awareness that everyone has to understand takes 15 to 20 years for research to hit the mainstream. Yeah. And I got so interested in technology because it was so fast moving. You had a thought, you had an idea, you can figure it out. It could be implemented. I thought, my goodness, what happened if we took medicine? And put it in the technology world, things would happen faster. We collect data easier. We would understand things better. And so, after twenty years, I left the hospital system and ventured into the technology world to actually make that a reality. And and that's Adesso that um, you mentioned in my bio. But I do believe every woman should have access to this information, and we have a website through our. Program called Adesso.Health, A D E S S O.Health. I I want you to know that Adesso is Italian. It's the romance language of love in the heart. Um, And it means now. And if the time is not now, really now, I don't know when it is. This is a moment in time where women are using their voices, taking over. We have a platform we've never had before. And this is the moment in time where women get to say, I saw this, I read this, you don't recommend it, then I'm gonna go to another doctor. Because this is the moment where we need to advocate for ourselves. I will tell you the healthcare system is not set up to do that. I'm not gonna tell you they're malicious or evil, they're under insurance pressures, administrative pressures, and it's not working for us. So if you're not getting the help you need, find it elsewhere but the literature is there the research is there find it on adesso.health. we can link you to the american heart association go red for women we have advisors on this panel on our on our platform you're one of them that's really out there telling all of these stories giving this information yeah. so you're not alone yeah and and my biggest my biggest piece of advice is to educate yourself, then empower yourself and then advocate for yourself and your friends and your family. Cause that's, that's what this is about.
1: Thank you. And I want to actually acknowledge you. So yes, I'm honored to be an advisor and I so believe in what you're doing and knowing that heart health is number one killer and that so many women don't know, or they don't have the access to the information of what they need to know. Um, I'm just so grateful for the work that you're doing in the world. And I have to just say, I don't think a doctor leaves a practice to go be a CEO unless they feel in every cell of their being that this is their calling and needs to get out in the world. So I just want to acknowledge you for that because running a company is just, it's not it's not an easy, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My husband's an entrepreneur, my brother's an entrepreneur. I mean, it's no, it's it's a constant roller coaster. So I just want to just give you credit and just acknowledgement and say thank you for trying to bring the data up to date. Cause the last time you were on, you were saying 20 years ago it was the number one killer. 20 years later, we're having the same conversation. You see other areas of medicine where there's been progress, and it doesn't seem like that is the case.
0: And worse than that, you know, I, I, I mentioned women of color. When you look at the statistics around mortality rates and pregnancy and really how much women of color are suffering in the United States of America because of being dismissed lack of care, not standard of care, it's... Despicable. It's just despicable. 50% of African American women by age 20 will have hypertension. What does that lead to? Stroke, heart attack, preeclampsia, bad pregnancy outcomes. That if we don't look at this in the bigger picture, we're not talking about just postmenopausal women who are 80 years old having heart attacks. We're talking about women throughout her lifespan having issues that we can prevent, we Mm. can protect women, we can protect their babies, we can actually look at women throughout her life and do something about it at some point so she doesn't end up sick. We have that capability. And so when I sit here and I, I get so frustrated, it's because the tools exist, the testing exists, we need to implement it, and women need access to it. I was having a conversation yesterday uh, with a woman who is working in the Southeast. I don't know if I'll name the state, but you know the states I'm talking about. Healthcare, access to healthcare is non-existent. Now, a little bit of this is people have to travel far to get to clinics, but when they get there, there are not enough doctors. So they're on wait lists for months. It doesn't make sense. So in some ways, COVID, I, I always think about all the bad things, but there's some good that came out of COVID. We've realized we could do telemedicine. Hmm. We've realized that people can check their blood pressures at home, yeah. check their sugars at home, continuous glucose monitoring. There are ways. And again, this is through technology that we can allow people to make changes themselves through communication, through technology, and we can have an impact.
1: I love this so much. Well, let's talk about, because you've mentioned that 80% of heart heart disease is preventable and that 70% of women don't realize that they're even at risk. So- what do we need to know what should we be asking for i know we can go, you know we're going to go on after to adesso.health we're going to get educated more but you're here and so for people who are listening right now and want to understand we we have the eight prevention things that we understand but just like what do we need to know where what can we do what should we ask for
0: so let me say you know menopause has been such a conversation what's so interesting is that Women spend forty percent of their lives in menopause. Isn't that a staggering thought?
1: Yeah, yeah, it is.
0: And so, seventy percent of those women are going to end up with heart disease. Seventy percent will. Yeah. So we know. Wow. Don't get depressed because this is no. Yeah. it's, It's decades for heart disease to develop. It does. Okay. And the heart, I I think it's so poetic. It's reversible, it's pliable. It'll work with you if you work with it. You know, you start exercising, the arteries start dilating. Your blood pressure goes down. Your heart rate goes down. We know this. There's an improvement in your resting heart rate when you start exercising and taking care of yourself. So just know you're in the driver's seat. Let's just okay. get that straight. Okay. And you need to know what your risk factors are. You've got to start with the basics. What's your cholesterol? What's your LDL? Bad cholesterol. We know that apolipoprotein B, that's a new kid on the block, is more at risk than just LDL alone. It puts those high levels of ApoB puts you at a greater risk than LDL. Make sure you're getting that. Triglycerides. It's associated with sugars and high-carbohydrate diet. It could also be associated with a low HDL. HDL is more protective. So making sure you get these numbers and then you understand what they mean so you know how to decrease them. them, Right? Numbers are just numbers, but what do they mean? And that's part of the conversation to have with your doctor now. Not what should I do? That comes second. Number one is what do they mean?
1: Right? right. What do we need to know? Let's uncover the, da- the data, and then from the, the from and your blood work, then you know what the next steps potentially. Then are. what do we do?
0: Yeah. And so once we have that information, sugars, hemoglobin A1C, also really important, inflammatory markers, hsCRP, high sensitivity CRP, thyroid, believe it or not, can affect cholesterol levels, can. If your thyroid's overactive, it could cause symptoms. Low thyroid could cause high cholesterol. So just knowing these things are really important. And then talking to your family. Is there a family history of heart disease? We have screening tests, a coronary artery calcium score, Hmm. carotid Doppler to look at calcium or thickness of the arteries. Thickness of the arteries in women, of the arteries of the neck is significantly correlated with coronary artery disease, especially for perimenopausal and postmenopausal women. And then I think what becomes really important is to to talk about the other issues that we don't often talk about, which is depression and anxiety and loneliness. Um, The surgeon general made a statement about loneliness and how loneliness is as Potent a risk factor is smoking.
1: Wow.
0: If we don't address what's in our hearts, also, when we're going through this, we're missing a huge piece of it. Mm. So I think this big picture, if you've got to sit down with yourself today and say, What am I going to do? How am I going to know? You've got to know your family history. You've got to know these risk factors. And the one thing I'm going to tell everyone is, Nobody wants to be on medication. Nobody wants to be sick, but you've got to find out what you need first yeah. and then make a decision that makes sense for you. And that's going to help you and not put you at risk. Hmm. So I, I have a patient um, who did everything, yoga, ate well, but had a strong family history of high blood pressure. An an African-American woman with a family history of aggressive hypertension, Mm. a brother who had a stroke, he bled into his head, Mm. um, you know, in his thirties. I mean, this was a, a horrible story, but she felt like because she was doing the right thing from the lifestyle side, she didn't need medication. And one day I got a call. What do I do? My blood pressure is 240 over 120 you know, and it was heartbreaking. Would where, Where's your medicine? And she'd stop taking her medication. Mm. So we're going to 80% of the time figure it out, but sometimes we can't, and that's okay yep. too. And that's yep. why medication is there. And if you're given medication or recommended, don't stop it, don't stop it. Talk to your doctor. And if you can't talk to your doctor, find another one.
1: Yes. And
0: when it comes to all the supplements, some work. Some don't. Some work a little bit. So the earlier you take them, the yes. better, yes. because that's when prevention is there. That's when supplements work. Yes. But when you need medication, it's like a cherry on top. It's not. It's not the part that's really going to make the biggest impact.
1: Okay, this is so important, and for people to hear all of it, when women are going through pen- perimenopause and menopause, um, absolutely they should be having these conversations. Should they be? proactively doing like the what is the thing in the neck? Like checking their A carotid artery Doppler. Yeah. Like, should they say, Hey, could you throw that in there? I mean, sh- at what point should we be doing that? Or do we'll, cause I don't know, Do the blood tests? the blood tests aren't going to show that. Right.
0: Right. So yeah. I recommend doing things stepwise that you understand your family history. You get all these blood tests, you get your lipoprotein little a, which is a genetic marker of increased risk. Oh, it you is.
1: That's what that is. It's test, a genetic. Yeah. I've done that test. I didn't know what it, like and initially yes. it said, um, the insurance company said something like not approved because experimental. it's experimental. Yes. And then I got the the B too, but I don't remember. Uh, see, I did it, but then I didn't, I don't know. I, I'll, oh. I'll talk to my doc about it. I'll be curious to see if she knows. She's fantastic. My general practitioner, but she's also not a cardiologist.
0: I think she would know now. Yeah, it's more years ago.
1: Got it. No, better. they wouldn't. Okay. Okay.
0: But LP little a is a genetic marker. So okay. no matter what you eat, how much you exercise, this is what you were born with, but it makes that LDL sticky. Okay. And stickiness is what leads to clots, which what is what leads to heart attacks. So if okay. you have this genetic marker, you are more likely to have plaque in the arteries. So you need a coronary artery calcium score. You do need carotid dopplers, but you talk to your family. Is there a family history of stroke? That's what these are about. Is there a history of a heart attack? Understanding that becomes really, really important.
1: Okay. No, please go ahead.
0: No. So I I think as we go through perimenopause and menopause, this is the time, by the way, I hate to be the bearer of bad news on all of this, but the natural progression as estrogen decreases, yeah, blood pressure goes up, belly fat goes up, your LDL goes up, the triglycerides go up. So like, we gotta know. And it's almost like, just kind of expect it if you haven't been paying attention because that's what's okay. normal. Okay, And then know that you've gotta do something about it. Maybe, I, I always say, you know, when you were 20, you could eat three chocolate chip cookies and it might not matter. Doesn't actually happen the same way when you're 50. Like okay. it's just a different- I need to hear that.
1: <laughs> I'm not kidding. Not yeah, that I'm downing three chocolate cookies, but I will have cake or whatever occasionally, you know. I Well, my nourishment score, we'll talk about it after, but I took your Maya Deso, the quiz, and my nourishment was good. My movement needed the improvement. Um, let me ask you, do we have any data on hormone replacement therapy? Because if we're getting estrogen put back in, is there any correlation to improved outcomes with not having less risk of heart disease or anything like that? What do we know? Anything? Is the data there? Yeah.
0: So- 1991, the Women's Health Initiative was launched. It was like the meanest thing that ever happened to women. It uh, basically was the largest study. It was the first study looking at clinical outcomes and lifestyle. And part of that study was looking at hormone replacement therapy. And the outcome of that was basically that it did not improve cardiovascular outcomes. It was worse for women. There was clotting, heart attack, breast cancer. It said, this is the devil. And in fact, I remember at that time telling my mother to go off her hormone replacement therapy, that previous generation, wow. our mother's generation yeah. was so on it, right? They weren't were they so, all on it? They were all on it and they were all taken off of it. Okay. And I have to tell you the, that generation got the raw end of the stick. And I think that's a little bit why our generation is fighting a little harder because we know within the first 10 years postmenopausal, so that's one year without a period. Yes. In that first 10 years, it is so protective. There's a 50% reduction in cardiovascular disease, a 30% reduction in all cause mortality. Most women should be put on hormone replacement therapy for these reasons. It helps with dementia. I mean, there's multiple protective effects. That being said, women who've had breast cancer, strong family history of breast cancer, you've got to talk to your doctor. This is a conversation. This podcast and our conversation is not going to be right for everyone. Yes, But in general, This is how powerful hormone replacement therapy could be. And so I think it should be initiated for all women, unless there's a reason not to, around menopause, perimenopausal time. Um, I, I believe that when women started five years after, they've missed five years and they're more likely to have symptoms. So one of the indications that we've always had for starting hormone replacement therapy were symptoms, hot flashes, yeah. things like that, sleep disturbances. Hot flashes is actually associated with an increased risk of heart disease. In and oh, of itself. Oh, really? Same. Yes.
1: Why? The more you have, the more like likely that you might be one of the, those more prone you to it?
0: Oh, yes. There is a correlation between hot flashes, the amount, the number, and calcium scores. And calcium score is a surrogate for coronary artery disease. So we
1: know that- Wait, can you you tell us what the calcium score is again? Is that, how do you get that one? So that's a
0: CAT scan okay. and you lie down on a table. There's no dire contrast. It takes a picture of your heart and it looks for calcification in the arteries. Thank you. Calcification in the arteries is always plaque. Mm -hmm. And that calcium score is really interesting for people with a family history of heart disease, elevated LP little a, multiple hot flashes. And and these are women who really should be put on hormone replacement therapy. Okay.
1: Wow. This is so... This is so good. Let me ask you something that I was a little confused about, not confused about, but I just wanted to clarify when you say it's the number one killer of women, is that in the United States or internationally?
0: So I, I really, when I saw this question, I don't know if we talked about it last time. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what's going on in the world? (laughs) And so it's always been, by the way, the number one killer, uh, heart attack of both men and women worldwide. It is. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But here's something interesting. Yes. Worldwide, stroke is number two. In the United States right now, it's number five. And it used to be- What is stroke is number five? So heart attack is one. Yeah. Cancer is two. Yeah. COVID is three. Hmm. And this is recent data, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And accidents- Medical
1: errors. Oh, I thought medical errors I read once- is one of the leading killers, like medical mishaps?
0: I think it's up there.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Yes. But you mean actual accidents. Okay, like sorry, accidents, yeah. Like accidents, <laughs> okay. things Got like it, that. and five so is stroke. Yes. Okay, and then yeah, and five is
0: stroke. Yeah. yeah. But let me tell you this. The same risk factors there are for heart disease are the same risk factors for stroke. And those eight things I mentioned, they if you take care of one thing, you're gonna take care of the other thing. The one thing I always say about Prevention of heart disease. The heart is the center of everything. If you take care of the heart, you take care of the arteries of the heart, you're taking care of the arteries of the neck, you're taking care of the arteries of the brain, the eye, the kidneys, the liver, your legs. You are literally taking care of yourself from head to toe. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more powerful than arterial health, there is nothing more potent than exercise truly, to keep those arteries healthy. And so I I keep saying, hard care is the new self-care. You're gonna go get a Medicare, awesome, also love it, but then you better go exercise. Because if we don't start thinking about hard care as being our essential self-care, then we're missing the, the real essence of who we are. Which is really our hearts, right? Mm-hmm.
1: That's beautiful. That's a great visual. Actually, as you were saying that, I was like, "Oh, I can really receive what you just said." Will help us break down. So, you said heart 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 disease is the number one killer, but and you said it takes years generally to have have one happen. So, is it the heart attack that kills us? Is it the stroke? Is it a combination? And where does a widow maker? Heart attack come into that. Like is a widowmaker years in the making as well, or, or... yes. Okay. So
0: widowmaker was, you know, a phrase designed for men. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was when when they thought women never got heart attacks. Yeah. But it's interesting because there's an artery down the front of the heart. It's called the left anterior descending artery. It it comes right from the top of the heart, right down the front of the heart, and it supplies so much of the blood to our heart. Blood flow is about oxygen. So this is really our oxygen source. Mm. And this artery, now think about this. When there's a blockage on the top, there's no blood flow to the whole rest of it. Got it? And so when people have real significant disease and blockage in the top of that front artery that left anterior descending, many times they die. And that's why it's called the Widowmaker. The thing about it is that it's coronary artery disease. It's the buildup of plaque. And the only way that happens is when the arteries get unhealthy. Hmm. And how they get unhealthy is they become stiff. And how they become stiff, let's go back to the eight. Blood pressure, cholesterol, sugars, weight, poor diet, lack of exercise, lack of sleep, smoking Hmm. 80% of the time. Wow. And so, if we don't allow those arteries to get stiff, we don't get heart disease.
1: Do we not get stroke? I didn't mean to interrupt we you. We don't but get
0: stroke either.
1: We don't because what? Explain what stroke is.
0: Stroke is the same thing that happens to the heart, but it happens in the brain. It's a blockage. So, yeah, it's a blockage. It's calcification. Of of it. It's calcification. It's plaque. It's a blockage of where heart
1: here in our neck that al- yeah. doesn't allow
0: the blood flow to reach the brain or plaque ruptures. And that's oftentimes how a heart attack happens that in our arteries, we have buildup of plaque and it breaks off. And when it breaks off, the body knows it. So it sends platelets, which are super sticky. And the platelets try to heal that plaque that ruptured. And you know what it does in the process? It blocks blood flow. Oh, wow. Those arteries are tiny. So it's the same kind of thing that happens to the brain. There's rupture in the brain. There's rupture from the the carotid arteries. It's the same mechanism. And that's what I'm saying. If we prevent heart disease, if we just really think of the our hearts.
1: Got it. That's where we should start. Of our universe. Yeah.
0: The essence of everything we do. Yes. We're going to prevent everything else. Wow. Did and you, by the way. Yeah. Dementia. Yeah, The number one cause of dementia is really atherosclerosis. It's mm. due to these little small strokes that happen. That's the number one reason why people get demented.
1: And people so, don't know they've had them. Right. You can still right. live with those. those right. Yeah.
0: Until they build up. But you can live with so many of these. And it's all about this vascular disease. So I go back. Just know that this is the center of everything and we take care of this today. Yes. Personally, I listen, we're all going to die, right? But personally, I want to live with vitality on my terms, the way I want to for as long as I can. And I think that's what we all should strive for. When I see things about longevity, I I don't think about living to 150. I think about living as long as I can, as healthy as I can.
1: Yeah.
0: you know, I want to be wearing hot pink until I can't, but I don't want to be sick. And I think that's what we have to focus on.
1: I love that. And I'm 100% with you. I feel like there's a lot of those guys out there looking to live to 150, even if that means connecting themselves up to technology. Just... Right, right.
0: You <laughs> um, don't want that, right? I don't want to be frozen. I want yeah, to have- yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I'm with you. And I think that's the message we want um, the women to um, take away. Are you seeing anything with COVID and heart increased risk of heart disease?
0: You know, it's really interesting. Yeah, really affected the lining of the arteries. So a lot of people are getting this microvascular disease, this endothelial dysfunction. So the arteries are becoming stiff. And people are getting short of breath, palpitations, not able to exercise as much. And a lot of that was around the effect of COVID. Mm. Um, I'm seeing that from the testing I do. Yeah, And we know that exercise prescriptions, we know that really focusing on how to exercise, not pushing it too much, focusing on dilating those arteries, sometimes through medication, some supplements also, um, L-arginine that is found in beets is actually a really good vasodilator. That's a supplement that I really like a lot. And that along with exercise can really help with some of those COVID symptoms. And it can help with some of those symptoms that women experience in peri- perimenopause because okay. the arteries are stiff the same way that they're becoming stiff with COVID. and so that we might can say.
1: reverse it? I didn't mean to interrupt you, but we can reverse it. Okay. So that's, yeah, I think people were curious about that. Okay. So um, anything I didn't ask that you want to make sure to leave the women listening with?
0: I think it's an overwhelming topic. Yeah. And I want everyone to know that it's, it doesn't have to be Um, that there are ways that you can actually do something about it. Um, Don't be afraid. You know, we talked about colonoscopy and not doing it because of fear. I think a lot of people are paralyzed by fear. And the key issue is to know that you can you can be treated if you can't figure it out on your own. And there's no reason to feel guilty or afraid or that it's your fault. I hear that all the time. Mm. If only I ate better, if only I did more. Yeah. Well doing the best we can. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. And so all you gotta do is just take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, I think often for many of us who have children or pets, the way that we treat those that we caretake, that we love. Yes. We gotta give a little bit of that back to ourselves. Yes. And the more that we can live from that heart, I say it's it's living from your part with purpose and passion and with love and self-love, the better off we're all gonna be.
1: Couldn't agree with you more. Um, and just to wrap it up with something fun, as a cardiologist, you would never how would you answer that? As a oh cardiologist, God. I would never I
0: never eat bacon. And this has come up before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Seriously? No bacon. Too much fat.
0: It's just there's so much about
1: that process okay. Okay. that I All can't right. even <laughs> you won't eat bacon. And as a cardiologist, I always or always try to exercise. 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 And what's your choice of exercise?
0: Dance. I just oh. love to dance and dance exercise and like a video or do you do a class? I'm just curious because well, I like I to do... dance,
1: not that I'm a dancer, but
0: before COVID, I was going to classes. Yeah. Um, there's an aerobic dance class I take with light weights, and oh. it just brings me back to my childhood. I, I grew up dancing from the time I was three and I and was that. able to dance through most of my life. And so now I have it on video and I do it as often as I can. And it's something that I really look forward to and makes me happy. And I think that's what you got to look for. You know, if you got to go on, on the treadmill in the gym and you're miserable, then you're, going to do it. Right. But if you go and you think I can listen to a podcast on the treadmill at the gym and you get to look forward to something, yeah. you're more likely to stick with it. And, and that's really what I recommend. It's
1: great advice. And a day in the life, like, what are you having for breakfast?
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Um, either. Uh, well, you're the, car- I'd love, you know, a yeah, we'll model from you. Yeah. Like a girlfriend's guide. What, what would you, what do you have?
0: Either a high fiber cereal or a multigrain piece of toast with a little bit of olive oil and avocado. That's like, feels to me very decadent for some reason, but I
1: love it. No, that sounds delicious. Um, And how do you define a good life? What does the good life mean to you, Dr. Steinbaum?
0: I feel very lucky because I have a purpose. And I think when you live life with a purpose, it changes every day. Um, It's really interesting to be able and to have the gift of taking care of other people as a cardiologist, um, being a mom even, you know, um, and then getting to create a company and be the CEO of something that I believe is going to help women and maybe change people's lives. You know, it's, it's truly a gift to live that way. And the one thing I I will say also is that surround yourself with love because when you love and you are loved, it's just everything, right? So 100%. So
1: beautiful. It's always so good to be with you. And the very first interview, I will link in the show notes, which will all be over at thegoodlifecoach.com. But take this in, just like listen to it, listen to the first one. Tell your friends, share this episode with every female friend you have, family members. Let's just get educated. Let's support each other. Let's advocate for ourselves. Let's ask for the blood work. Take the steps that we need to do. And let's get connected to you, Dr. Steinbaum, too. So is my so where should I send people? Where do you hang out? Like where should I direct people?
0: So I love everyone to come on at deso.health. We really want to build a community. Yeah. And- I think that this is not just about um, heart health. It's about everything. I mean, you interview amazing people. And as women, there's so many things that matter to us. So we have incredible advisors with advice about work and how to get paid what you deserve, you know, things like that, um, that that matter. So I'd love everyone to, to join us there and at Maya Deso on Instagram. And I met Dr. Suzanne Steinbaum on all the social platforms and website and um, would love you all to come on my Adesso because the question we're asking is, what is your now? Mm. What matters to you? What is your Adesso? As I said, it means now in Italian. What is your reason? And I think that's the kind of thing when you say, you know, what's a good life? The answer to that question every day, Yeah, that's what your good life is. Yeah, Tell me, share it with me. I want to know. And, and I think the more that we share with each other, the better off we all are. I think that's one thing we've learned.
1: Absolutely. I always love being with you. It's such an honor and a pleasure. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. I fully support this information that you're creating and getting out in the world and wanting it to be the whole health picture too, and just the focus on our hearts, both from an emotional standpoint, but also from our physical standpoint and really nurturing that and thinking that that's a huge takeaway for me today. I really felt that today, like really focus on caring for that heart so it can support your whole body and your purpose in life. Right. That's perfect. We did it. Right, thank you. <laughs> such a pleasure, such a pleasure. Um, thank you, thank you, and um, everyone, please do share this with, with your friends and family because in thank the men you. of their lives, they can spread it too. I mean, we all need this information. So, thank you so much from my heart to yours, Dr. Simon. As a reminder, this is a podcast intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to be medical advice. Any information dealing with your health and well-being should always be directed to your trusted healthcare provider. Thank you for tuning in today. Bye for now.